0: Hey folks, Gerald Kirk here, and I'm excited to share that this season of the Higher Ground Society podcast is supported in part by the Alabama Humanities Alliance, a state affiliate of the National Endowment of the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast episode do not necessarily represent those of Alabama Humanities Alliance or the National Endowment for the Humanities. Now, let's get to the show. For another episode of the Higher Ground Society podcast, I'm your host, Gerald Crook. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm your host, Gerald Crook, and I have a, a, an amazing guest with me for the for this month, um, Ms. Tanisha Thomas. Say hello to the people, Tanisha. Hi,
1: hi, Gerald. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: of course, thank you for being with us. Um, so... Yeah, I was. So we were just talking Tanisha now before we started, um, you know, recording. And I think this conversation is going to be really great because Tanisha is a very, very talented individual and a very hardworking individual. And I can't wait to get to know her more through this conversation. Um, so, I mean, let's jump into it, Tanisha. Um, tell us who you are.
1: <laughs> well, um, I'll start with my name, uh, Tanisha. And the origin of that, um, as you know, as an African country, and my uncle named me, and so my mom was pregnant with me, and he was looking through an atlas mm-hmm. and came across Africa, and he was just looking, 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 and he saw Tunisia, and he he suggested that name to her, and she she accepted it. So here I am. That's, That's how I got. That's awesome. <laughs> What? See
0: already? I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay, okay. So yeah, so we, we got your origins,
1: the yes. motherland. <laughs> yes, and so um, also um, I'm, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, born and raised, um, proudly. And I went to Sidney Lanier High School. I'm a poet, also marching the band there. I'm a marching poet. Okay. And then from there, I went on to Tuskegee University. And so, um, let me back up a little bit. Um, I have four sisters. Okay. And I fall somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. I have one younger sister, and then the rest of them are older. Okay. Uh, my father is a pastor, so I'm a preacher's kid. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is a retired nurse. And so, um, I guess you can say... She's like the doctor for the family. If anyone has a medical question, they'll call her.
2: Okay.
1: So, um, (laughs) yes. So so, um, that's my family background. I have a 93-year-old grandmother who I love to death. And um, she's someone that um, I really respect and admire. And she tells a lot of good stories from her upbringing, from the time she was a little bitty child, Mm -hmm. up until um, just being a part of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably where my little history background started. Sure. You know, my talks with her. So,
0: so, um, so real quick. So is all you is your family like a legacy Montgomery family, or is everybody? You, how long have you guys been in Montgomery, or maybe is your grandmother from someplace else, or?
1: She was born in Montgomery. Okay. Her parents, my my great grandparents, moved from Raymer, Alabama, which is like in South Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. They moved from there to Montgomery before she was born. And she tells the story of how, as they were traveling here, I believe they traveled at night Mm. by horse and buggy. Mm. And I think her, I think there were two older sisters who were already, you know, born. Mm -hmm. And so um, she said her her father, who they called Papa, sat on the back of the buggy with his shotgun, mm-hmm. making sure they were safe mm-hmm. to, to get from there to Montgomery. So wow. she talked that, and then, um, so yeah, she was born here in Montgomery, so. Yeah. Okay,
0: that's interesting. So I'm so glad you talked about that. So I lived in Montgomery for almost a year, and I've been passing through either going to Auburn or Atlanta or going to Birmingham. And I think people kind of forget that it's Montgomery County is more than just the city of Montgomery. There's other like it, I love that you said that. I mean, because I, I I've heard of Raymer, but again, I still I couldn't point it out to you on the map. Um, and there are places you know north of Montgomery. I think people just automatically think of um, Prattville, which is in County, but in Montgomery County, oh. there are places you know like so. This is a beautiful story. Kind of getting an idea of where the people of Alabama are located and coming from.
1: Yes, the outer, yep. outer skirts. Yeah. yeah,
0: so I'm going to, to spend some time with the map after this conversation, so I can <laughs> <laughs> learn more about Montgomery County. So, okay, I'm sorry I interrupted. So, gotcha, got gotcha your grandparents. So, yeah, tell us more.
1: Um, so like I said, um, grew up here, and I don't know. I think back to my childhood, kind of looking in hindsight as to where my, my love for performing started. And, um, I can remember my younger sister and I would get together and I would, you know, curl up a dance for my mom, like her mother's day. Oh, you know, eight, I'm eight and she's what, like five. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. She's like, I'm eight. She's like three or four and, okay. um, put together this dance. Cause we didn't have any money we're little kids and then do it for my mom for like mother's day or for her birthday. So it's like way back then, even that little performing bug was already there. Mm -hmm. So I can remember um, being a cheerleader for the YMCA in elementary school. I can remember playing in the rhythm band. Um, I went to Floyd elementary and Floyd junior high and my elementary school teacher was Mrs. Ursel Jelps. Mm And, um, you know, she has passed away, but she was so instrumental, pun intended, and um, just teaching me or helping me to build the foundation for my love of music. Mm-hmm. And so she taught us how to play the different instruments, the little the little drumsticks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the recorder, mm-hmm. you know, cymbals, all those things, little triangles that you hit yeah. on. So that's kind of where that started. And she taught us all of these songs that I'm so appreciative of, mm-hmm. you know, songs like the, the state song, you know, mm-hmm. Outland and then My Country Tis a Thee." you know, um One Moment in Time, Whitney Houston. We had to oh, learn yeah. that first song, you know. So she really instilled those things in us. She taught us discipline, like how to how to stand up properly to get ready to get up and sing just little stuff like that that, of course, back then, we took it for granted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being a grown-up now and looking back at it, I'm, I'm really appreciative for for that teaching. Mm-hmm. So, um it started then, and moving on into junior high, I played the clarinet, and Barbara Couch was my junior high band director. We called her, or her, her nickname was Babs. Okay. Um, another, another great, great music teacher mm-hmm. and she um she definitely instilled discipline and taught us you know the right way to, to play and she took us on uh, competitions we would mm-hmm. win you know good good markings mm-hmm. good scores under her direction so um so that I cheered in junior high you know there's a performing side again and then um I also did academic stuff as well, too. So sure. I was in the council. Um, what else was there? Uh, student council, um, getting awards for grade point average, mm-hmm. AB honor roll and different things like that all through school. Mm-hmm. So just always trying to I guess, challenge myself to be my best. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, in of Horace high school, like I said, I went to Lanier and my band director was Charles Cooper Jr. And man, I can't even say enough about him. Mm-hmm. He, being part of that band, um, I know that it has influenced um, my love even, even more so for performing, being a mm-hmm. part of the marching poet band under his direction. Um, I believe we had nearly 300 Band students, and this Whoa. was
2: just
1: just 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. Because back then, Lanier didn't have ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So he just really impacted so many lives. And so we, he exposed us to a lot too. So we were always going and traveling to other places, like Battle of the Bands, mm-hmm. you know. And then I think the most memorable trip was to Tampa, where we were invited to do the Cree Game Show for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Green Bay Packers. And that was my senior year. And I would never forget that, just out there on that field and looking up, you know, out the side of my eyes. I didn't want (laughs) to be too obvious. Of course. The same place on the Jumbotron Mm -hmm. performing, that was just, what what a thrill that was. And for him to take us outside of little old Montgomery, Alabama, and expose us to, to that. And I know that's why a lot of us now are still you know, working in some capacity within the music field. Mm -hmm. You know, there are several band directors Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. our our band. There are um, people like myself working with, you know, flags and dance groups, just paying it forward. So I'm just grateful for the teachings I've had just Mm -hmm. coming up and, um, you know, just want to continue to stay on that path.
0: Absolutely, I love that you that you shared all that because it's my, my journey is kind of the same way, um, and I think it speaks to the power of um, the arts, the performing arts, being available to people in schools. Yes. Uh, now, remind me, is Lanier a public school? It is. So yeah, the the so having these things available to the to students, I love that you shared the the band trip to Tampa, mm-hmm. which is very unique. Um, I mean. <laughs> Baldwin County High School didn't even get invited to anything like that, but we did, <laughs> we did do, you know, competition trips, you know, so much what you did, but you know, that's the, that is the, your experience is, is kind of so much as some other people, um, whether, you know, you get to go to a special pregame show like that in, in Tampa, or you get invited to go out of the country to perform. Mm-hmm. I keep telling folks, I tell the young people that I come into contact with, if you have an opportunity or, or to do something like this, to join a group like this, you're gonna get so much out of it if you just sh- just show up, <laughs> you exactly. know? Yeah, just show up, and I mean, obviously, you need to participate as well. But you, you know, the, the participation aspect, I feel like is it's almost to me, it was almost effortless. Like it was just you just it was something you did. You mm-hmm. these other things, and I'm, it, it sounds like it's paid off tremendously for you. Um, so that was high school. Where did you go after high school? What happened after high, after high school?
1: So from there, I went on to Tuskegee University. Hey,
0: hey.
1: hey. <laughs> I'm get so composed because I will start chanting and everything else. And Go,
0: let's listen. If you need a moment, don't <laughs> let don't let me hold you back by all means.
1: <laughs> hey, you, you, know? hey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. Rep. Rep it. You know, by all means. Love Tuskegee. So what was that like?
1: Oh, where do I even start? Um, So first of all, I first learned about Tuskegee in elementary school. Okay. I learned about Booker T. Washington Mm -hmm. and how he and his students built the bricks or made the bricks Mm -hmm. that they used to build the buildings Mm -hmm. on campus. And that struck me as a child, like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's when I first was was first introduced to Tuskegee. So fast forward to high school, I was trying to decide on where I was going to go. And it came down to, you know, Tuskegee and Spelman, another great institution. And I, I believe also Dillard university. Uh-huh. So um, I went and visited Spelman and Tuskegee. I liked both campuses. I enjoyed both visits. Um, what stood out with Tuskegee, of course, was the history of it uh-huh. and the fact that I already had friends who were there. They were a year ahead of me. Sure. Um, so I already knew people who were there. And I had met those people. Um, I met their friends, you know, they would bring home with them mm-hmm. to visit. So I got a chance to meet them and already start building relationships with people. So I felt comfortable, you know, moving in that direction. And then it didn't hurt that Tuskegee offered a really nice scholarship.
0: <laughs> Love that, of course. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, let's be real.
1: I'm telling you. Yeah. So um, so that that kind of um, you know, sealed. My, my decision, but um, I could not figure out what major I wanted to um, to do. So mm-hmm. I just kind of eliminated what I knew I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I can't stand looking at stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you <laughs> know, and I, I can't. My mom's a nurse at that, but yeah. <laughs> so I knew I wouldn't do biology nor engineering. Um, or business, I kind of came down to the liberal arts. Mm-hmm. So I thought about doing, a, you know, social work or a teaching, and then psychology. I chose psychology because, well, I'm a thinker, and I, I'm, I observe mm-hmm. quite a bit, taking in the world, you know, mm-hmm. and remind me to tell you a story about that in just a second.
2: Okay,
1: yeah. And then um, I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. So I chose psychology and um went on through it and marched my first year and I loved the band. It was incredible experience. To this day, the band has my heart of mm-hmm. marching crimson and Piper all day long. And so um did that the first year. Um by my second semester of my freshman year, I um went to this event called the Jesus rally they had on campus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this was students, a student led program. And they came together and just put on like this concert. They had a rally basically. And we had a choir put together. I was in the choir cause I was used to doing that having grown up in church. Right. <laughs> and so I remember it just impacted me so greatly to be amongst young people on fire Mm-hmm. for God. And they weren't being forced to do that and to yeah. be there. They were, you know,
2: it's, they they yeah. wanted.
1: And it, it really struck me. And I just felt some kind of way because I didn't really have that excitement that they had. Mm-hmm. So I remember just wanting, just really craving that excitement. Like how can I get that excited about God, about loving Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so By the time we had the actual rally, because this was all during the week leading up to it, I was at the rehearsals for the choir, and that's when I was feeling that way after seeing the other students. So by the time we get to the actual rally, and I'm up there just singing, I just felt this overwhelming sense of joy. Mm -hmm. Never experienced before, and it just really, it it was incredible. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I, I, I have the excitement now. I love this. I love how this makes me feel. So from that point, I said, well, Lord, I really want to to live for you and and really be serious about it because I love how I feel right now. I want to continue experiencing this joy. Mm -hmm. So. I say that because that's where my life changed.
0: Sure. Okay. (laughs)
1: Life changed. And I just kind of went in another direction. I started getting more involved with uh, the ministry on campus. Mm -hmm. and they would have like weekly Bible studies um I ended up leaving the band which was the hardest thing I ever had to do but I just felt such a pulling like I felt like God was saying look you need to leave the band thinking what (laughs) (laughs) and it was just such a strong urge Mm -hmm. I just couldn't hold back anymore so reluctantly I I left but I knew deep down I was making the right decision Mm -hmm. but um Eventually I still stayed associated with the band. I still went back to help Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And still, like I said, to this day, I have much love. I'm still Mm -hmm. very much involved. But um, once I made that decision, looking back on it, it freaked me up to really, really grow in my spiritual journey. Mm And, um, I connected with so many other students who were on that same journey Mm -hmm. and it just really, that's what shaped me into the woman you see now, you know, that experience being a part of the ministry on campus for what the next three years, it kept me out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, um, I really got to meet some really, really great individuals who I'm still in contact with today. Um, kind of going back into the Bible studies on campus, we used to do skits mm-hmm. as part of the um, Bible study to kind of talk about the message that was going to happen at that particular uh, Bible study. And I would be in a lot of the skits. Okay. People were like, you know, you really should think about doing this because you're crazy, you know? <laughs> 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 and, um, and it kind of made me think like, well, I kind of do like this. You know, I like acting and, and you know, being mm-hmm. silly and being kind of outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I was also dancing. Um, I love to choreograph. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of, um, like, hip-hop style dance routines, and I would get up and teach other people. Mm-hmm. So uh, my friends started calling me Debbie Allen. <laughs> <That'd> be- <laughs> yes. And to this day, they still call me Debbie. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> That was where it all started. That's where my journey started, where that's- I said, hey, I really want to do this. This makes me happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the psychology major, and I want to finish that, which I did. But this passion is burning within me, and I want to take this chance and pursue it. So that's where it all
0: started for me. Gotcha. <laughs> so this is, so first of all, I want to say it's very apparent, you know, you talk about your, how you, so first of all, you're, you're very right. You're going to school away from family, away from that, into that home influence. You're really here by yourself and for you to, you have to seek out those opportunities to connect your, with your spirituality and your, you know, your, your religious beliefs and stuff. And if it's not in you or um, if you don't have that determination to do that, then it's very easy for you just like the old folks say, just stray away. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. So, but I want to—I say that to say it's very evident, like that. Like you said that there was coming with this transformation. It's very evident. Literally, everybody that I talk to talk to about you, or if you come up with the conversation, is always just like this. Oh, she's so sweet. Oh, she's just you know it's just so fun to be around and so pleasant to be around. And I can also say the same thing. I've never you know. So it makes sense.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And then everyone sense.
0: else. I Absolutely. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really makes sense. Um, but this is also an interesting, you know, Lee, um, kind of segue into, you know, your, the way that you got involved in the the performing arts. So yeah, I thought that, you know, you get, you were involved with, you know, I thought you were going to say that you majored in theater, the performing arts and theater. Yeah. I, I thought that's what you were going to say. Uh, but that's not the case at all. That, that's a beautiful journey to to where you, to get to get there for sure.
1: You want to hear a little funny story on that?
0: Yeah, is this the observation story?
1: <laughs> uh, n- well, not quite.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so back to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, Booker T. Washington Magnet was getting ready to open.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was in the. 10th grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. At that time, there was a program called CPAC. It, I think it stood for the um, Carver Creative Performing Arts Center, and it was at Carver High School. So they would bus students from various schools to Carver to participate in performing arts classes, sure, different okay. dance, acting, arts, and so forth. So they were going to closed that program because they wanted to open BTW as a performing arts magnet school. Mm-hmm. So they they opened the, the um, door for applications mm-hmm. for students who wanted to apply to go to BTW. Mm-hmm. So I applied, you know? Mm-hmm. Guess what I applied for, what area? Was it acting? Computer science.
0: Get out, <laughs> what? <laughs> What? I know. That's hilarious.
1: I, I don't. At that time, even though I loved performing, it didn't occur that I could actually do it and pursue True. it as a yeah. career. It wasn't yeah. even in my, you know, my, my, my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, went on in Tuskegee, majored in psychology. And I, I always say that Tuskegee... Of course, I majored in psychology and I loved it, but I know my main reason was for me to get that foundation mm-hmm. and that spiritual growth mm-hmm. that set me on the path to still eventually do performing arts. Mm-hmm. So um back to the observation story. Mm-hmm. My mom tells this story of when I was born. Okay. So she gave birth to me, you know, we're at the hospital and I'm sitting, I guess, in a little part wherever they, you know, put the babies there. Mm. And she told me that um I wasn't crying. I guess I had stopped crying and I wasn't crying. I had just been born now and I'm just sitting there. And she said I was just looking all around the room, just taking in the room, just not even crying, just looking all around and and everything. And she was like, look at this baby, you know? (laughs) looking all around the room. So that's what I mean by taking me in the world. So sure. it's it starting that birth. I came out that way.
0: Yeah, it's in you. It's in you. So um, I so this is so interesting because you did computer science.
1: <laughs> or I, part- I, didn't get, I didn't get I didn't get accepted. To right. The-
0: but that's the, this. I'm just saying like you, you were heading in all these directions. You're trying to I do know. computer science. You're, to <laughs> you're doing psychology. Um, and then, which is, it's just great, but then you still wind up in performing arts, but I'm saying that to say, so we're going to talk more about your performing arts, but I want to also talk about the site that you, what you do, um, also professionally. Sure. You work at the oldest archives, state archives in the country. I don't know if y'all know about that, but yeah. Alabama was, is the first state archives. Well, they set up their, the first state archives in the country. Um, yeah. Do you know the year? It's like 1906. Oh, that's the, the constitution. institution. Do you remember the year?
1: Quick. Don't make me lie to you. Pop this quiz. Is, um, it's fine. It's fine. It, we don't have to. Tom Owen first opened it at the state capitol. That's Correct. where it was first located. And then in 1940, that's when our building was opened. Gotcha. But by that time, he had passed away before that even happened. So his wife, Miss Marie, as we affectionately call her, she was the one who secured the funds to get the building, you know, for mm-hmm. the archives. So that happened in 1940. Thank so you. I started there in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I just um, passed my seventh year anniversary. Love it. And um, I'm the executive assistant to the director there Mm -hmm. Um, prior to the archives i worked for landmarks foundation slash old alabama town Mm -hmm. and i was their membership director Mm -hmm. so the director of the archives is on the board of landmarks and so that's how we um connected Mm -hmm. and um, i ended up going to the archives so um it has really been quite an experience working there. Um, there's so much to to learn mm-hmm. um, and it just feeds my history, you know, interest. Mm-hmm. And I there's so many programs there. And so even though I work in the office, like the administrative end of it, I still get to see a lot of the magic that happens there. And I get to see a lot of the dedicated professionals that are archivists and curators, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone there is just really dedicated to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm proud to be a part of the agency. Um, I've learned a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you really get forced into somewhat a leadership position because I'm working right next to the director in a sense. So there's a lot of responsibilities that come with that, and you have to really be on your P's and Q's. You can help him be on his P's and Q's. Sure, sure. Something I really, really had to um, to quickly adjust to, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like being in there, the archives opened many doors for me, even outside of the agency, um, getting involved with other organizations like Leadership Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And I went through um, their torchbearers class. I'm in class seven the best class ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went through that, partly to help strengthen my leadership skills even more,
2: sure.
1: because the Torchbearers program is for our young professionals, ages 22 to 40. Mm-hmm. And it really teaches you and focuses more so on leadership training. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're getting to learn more about the city and you're getting exposed to um, the leaders of the city and you're getting exposed to the, I guess you could say um, more insightful information, just knowing the the hows and the whys of, of different organizations or different things that happen in our community. Mm-hmm. And just being exposed to that, that really helped me as well. Um, it stretched me.
2: Yeah,
1: I was part of, a, um, we put community projects together and we had a group per community project and I was the leader of my group. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this ever since knowing me, but I'm a little shy. <laughs> so uh, don't do no, this. I
0: mean, no. I would just say that you're shy, but you're like, like, know. we're you know, it's Christmas time. So like Meek and Mild. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> right, like you know, I wouldn't say you're shy. You're just like you know, soft spoken. And we, we, I say that, but at the same time, you're out here doing all these incredible things. Um,
1: I'm not, when I'm on a stage, I'll right. say, like, but um, I'm not the person. And this is so. It's going to sound so weird, but I'm typically not the person who seeks to be the center of attention. I don't really seek to be the center. Yeah, of attention. I can see that. But, you know, everyday life, like no, I'm I'm cool over here. Yeah, but. Yeah have to be, I'll step up to it and handle things. You know, Mm -hmm. so Leadership Montgomery helped me with that. And it helped me to um, strengthen those skills for my job, you know, being in that office. And it's it's like, kind of like Grand Central Station in a sense, because you're greeting visitors for the director and um, phone calls, maybe the first person, the first voice that they hear Mm -hmm. So you're representing the agency in a sense. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it also helped me to be more assertive, mm-hmm. you know, and step out that little shell and just, you know, own it, own yeah. the position. So it's really helped me to grow. I can certainly say that. And then also the people that I've met while being there, um, the different boards that we have there mm-hmm. and just being able to work with those different board members, um, that's been a huge honor to me. Um some of our board members I just have so much respect for. I'll name one of them right now, Fred Gray. He's one of I our, our board of trustees. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Fred Gray.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, just so humbling and just to be in his presence and um just to see how active he still is. Mm-hmm. He's still practices law and he comes to our board meetings, you know, he and his wife, Carol. And um, just seeing the the dedication that they have to the archives, he and so many others, you know, um, is really um, encouraging to me and motivating. And then like with the Academy of Honor that we're getting ready to kick off for this year, um, another great group of people, you know, who have done Great things within their fields of interest, mm-hmm. and I get to interact with them. Absolutely, and they're, they're pretty nice. So, yeah. just that's another aspect of the job that I really really love. Just the people I've gotten a chance to know.
0: Yeah, I can definitely did all that. So, this is a good point for everybody to know. This is how I know to, to New York. We we shared a, <laughs> um, a a place of work together for a few years. I mean, I wanna say I knew you before. You said you started in 2013, 2014? 14. Okay, so I did my first stint at the end of 2012, 20, beginning of 2013.
1: Oh, okay, that's right. You right. were there before.
0: Okay, so I did a little okay. quick six months, tested the waters. And then I tried something else. <laughs> but I came back when we worked at the Bicentennial. So that's whenever it's like, oh, hello, nice to meet you. Da, 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 da. We made the connection, and you were such a pleasure to work with. Um, and I can I can definitely attest to everything Tanita said. Um, working at the archives is an incredible experience. First of all, if you are remotely interested in history, you're literally surrounded by it. The building itself, is yes. historical. I mean it's had two editions one in the 70s and one in the in the 2000s and you can see like the right. difference between you know um those editions and you know I remember for one of the first things that when I worked there the first time like, I kind of kind of got like a behind the scenes tour cuz we worked there they were just working on something and we got to see you know like I really like textiles I, I fell in love with you know Ryan Blocker is there she's the, the, the works with textiles she loves textiles yes. Um, and she showed me some of like the, the clothing belonging to some of like famous alabamians, and I think that someone showed me, well, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say these things, <laughs> so I'm kind of go a pullback. back. I saw some really cool behind the scenes stuff um, as an employee there and it's and you get that kind of exposure all the time. like you said, people are coming in all the time and it's just a wonderful place to just learn and be exposed to things. so it is.
1: and yeah. they come from everywhere, you yeah. know national visitors. Um, there, there are so many that come through to research and to visit the Voices Gallery. Mm-hmm. That's like our, our, our baby over there. Yeah. And so, um, like I say, you have so many dedicated people like, like Dr. Ed Bridges. He mm-hmm. was the one who first started to develop the idea of the Alabama Voices Gallery. Mm-hmm. And it, took, it was 10 years in the making and it opened in, early two thousand fourteen and then Steve Murray, the current director, he was able to see that vision through. So just to to see people like them really work hard and really love it and be dedicated, that that's truly motivating to me.
0: Absolutely. And just again to show you the connectedness of this, uh because you mentioned the the voices gallery. So shout out to my nephew who's in <laughs> who's in the voices gallery in one of those photos. It's, I don't know if you <laughs> Yeah, and the entrance, or maybe it's because he's, oh, uh, yeah, the, the way it's set up it just shows everybody. So, like, he's in that, the baseball kid's photo. I think they're the Pirates. They have the like, yellow okay. uniforms on, and it's like a baseball team. Like,
1: the end of
0: it. Yes.
1: Towards
0: the end of the boys. I think
1: yes. so. Yes. So, he's
0: in that. Oh. Um Little Daylin, but he's definitely big Daylin now. So there's that. But also, too, one of my, um, so my dad, I'm also a PK, a preacher's kid. And my dad's former church, New Hope Baptist Church, there's a, um, a church elder, for sure. Now, uh, she's um, photographed there as well, Miss Lula Atchison. And one of her, you know, basically church garbs with the, with the hat and the church hat and everything. <laughs> I'll never forget when I worked there for that brief second, there was like a, a photo list the way they wanted, you know, and this, it was so cool to see all the people that, you know, they wanted to be a part of this. And so oh, I right. happen to know the people they end up um, getting. And so it's again, so the, the archives is a place for everybody, you know, everybody can show up and um,
1: they're doing some tremendous work there. So I'm glad to be a part of it. Good. Those pictures now. Now that I know that
0: they're affiliated with you, absolutely. Yeah, Dalen's definitely the biggest one on that team, so you, he stands out. <laughs> it's like little. It's like a little. You know, definitely little kids. So dalen has been big all his life. So, um. <laughs> um, so yeah. So this is I love. So I, I wanted to talk about what you do, both all the things that you do. Because so you're doing this professionally during the day, yes. but and 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 in your spare time, <laughs> y'all. You might see Tunisia on um, a random advertisement for the Columbus area, things to do. She's everywhere. got her hands in all kinds of stuff. Um, So, like, I mean, so I think when people think about Montgomery, they just kind of think about the things we talked about, history, you know, it being the state capital. They think about the EJI Center. But All they don't right. realize it, you know. It's clearly kind of like a happening cultural scene. There's a lot of arts things and performing arts and humanities things that are going on. So, how did you get engaged? How do you like? How do you find these opportunities and get involved in them?
1: Um, sometimes I find them, and sometimes they find me.
0: Love it. And
1: I'm grateful for that. Um, the very first film I did was Big Fish.
0: Wait, what? I didn't even wait, see? <laughs> secrets, secrets, secrets. I didn't even know this. So you're you're literally the second person this year to reveal to me, the second Montgomery native to reveal to me that they were involved Too in fun. big fish. Let me guess. Are you are you in like at the end when he's he's like visiting all those people toward to go back Winter. to the pond? Yeah.
1: I was in that scene, but you cannot see me in that scene. Okay. Um,
2: <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> you cannot see me in that scene. Uh-huh. But what you can see me in is the classroom scene, and it's set up to be um, Auburn University when yeah. the main character is trying to go after the girl for uh-huh. class, and the professor is teaching, and, you know, he had the overhead projector, and he put in, um, the, the guy, he snuck in this transparency sheet that said, I love Sandra. Esther uh-huh. professor was teaching his class, and then boom, this little I love Sandra pops up. So the whole class starts laughing. And when they show the class, you can see me in the class laughing. <laughs> and it's just me and a, a classmate of mine from high school, we were the only two Black students. And I think we're kind of not all the way in the back, but kind of maybe middle to the back, kind sure. of. But we're sitting right there together, and we're we're laughing with the rest of the class, and that's, that's when you can the movie.
0: <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Which also kind of makes sense too. It's interesting. So, little fun facts: they use the campus of Huntington, right? Uh,
1: that's right,
0: of Huntington College there in Montgomery to film. Although they're pretending to be uh, at Auburn. Hmm. And so now I have to go back and watch this whole movie just so I can see.
1: Watch it. <laughs> so I can see um, you. The, the way I got that opportunity, word of mouth. Um, my mom's boss, she was working as a nurse back then, and the doctor she worked for told her about a casting call because he knew I was interested in performing. So he told her about this casting call. And I think back then, Cloverdale was still Cloverdale Junior High School. And that's where they had it. And so I I went out there. I think I had to take a photo and leave my contact info or something like that. But mm-hmm. eventually, I got picked. And so the first thing I did was the one at the end mm-hmm. where we're by the river. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was so cold. I bet. It looked like oh, it. But <laughs> We're right by the river and this mm-hmm. is like February, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can just tell you though, being a part of that confirmed what I had been feeling like, this is what I want to do, right. this so, right.
0: How old were you then at that? So I don't even know when Big Fish, I mean, I hope you don't mind talking about age. Right? We- no,
1: I don't. This was like around 2003.
0: Oh, I thought the movie was older than that. <laughs> okay. I, th- I thought the movie was older than that.
1: Oh, no. It was, like, 2003 when it was filmed. Okay. I finished Tuskegee, um, like... Hold on. I finished Tuskegee in 2002, and then Big Fish happened in 03. Yeah. Okay. So that was, like, February, March, mm-hmm. when I did that first scene. But um, I can remember as clear as day. Getting there, we had to be there like at five in the morning, and we filmed it in Tallahassee, Alabama. That particular scene. Okay. And we we're right by the river, and they had this huge tent set up for hair and makeup. Uh-huh. And they had these different stations, uh-huh. you know, all these professionals, and I'm sitting there in a chair, and they're doing my hair and, and all that, and they have the music playing, the radio playing. And that song, oh my gosh. Oh, I can think of his name. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Started with the kiss. Oh, oh my gosh. But I don't know that
0: one. No, I'm, well, I'm, oh, I'm,
1: oh, oh, Carlos I, Santana.
0: Oh, okay, okay, sure. And it was I also lap- say I'm terrible with lyrics to, to songs. <laughs> like. I know it might be surprising because I sing a lot, but I really don't be knowing the words of
2: things. So.
1: Don't even worry about it. And I don't know all the words to that one, but, but I remember <laughs> that song came on the radio uh-huh. and the whole place lit up. Everyone starts kind of just dancing and bouncing to okay. the it. Dancing and smiling at each other.
0: So that's you like know? a movie scene and in and of, of itself.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, just, it just felt so good just to be on set. I love being on set. Mm-hmm. So I think I filmed like three days for that particular scene. It's wow. incredibly cold, incredibly cold. But thankfully I had on layers. I could hide layers under the outfit they gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember when they were first dressing me, um, they had like this green, ber- like a lime green beret on my head. Mm-hmm. and. Um, the costume designer, like the head costume designer was kind of looking us over. We were sitting in the line and she's looking and looking and looking and she gets to me and she's like, oh. <laughs> like, oh. 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 <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and she was talking to the, the other the people like, why did you put that on her head? It doesn't look right, you know? Cause it was such a bold color. Yeah. And the rest of my outfit, like very like bland colors or what have you. But um, fun fact, that costume designer was the winner of an Academy Award that season at the Oscars. Because ah. I remember, yes, I forgot her name, but I remember during filming a Big Fish, I was watching the Academies and there she was. I knew she wasn't on set.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was
1: getting honored. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, But so finish that particular week. And I think about maybe a few weeks later, they called me back to do the scene at Huntington. Okay. And that's when I did the classroom scene. And I just, I can't even tell you how, how much fun I had just being a part of that. And it just sealed the deal. Like, Hey, I really want to do this. Yeah. So that point on, um, I just began to seek out any opportunities while here in Montgomery to, to do stuff. And sometimes it was me seeing a casting call, but many times it was people telling me
2: Sure. because
1: I indicated what I want to do. Like, Hey, I really want to be in film and, mm-hmm. and perform and so forth. People would look out for me yeah. and tell me about stuff. So I started doing stage plays. The first one I did was at the Tuskegee Repertory Theater, okay. which I knew nothing about while I was at Tuskegee. <laughs> I found out after I graduated. That happened. But anyhow, um, It's founded and it's directed by Diane Robinson, another outstanding, you might've heard her about her name. I have. Honored by the Bicentennial, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Diane Robinson, world-renowned dancer, choreographer. She is choreographed on Broadway, all these great, great things. But she started this theater in Tuskegee. She came back home to open this theater and it's an old post office. And um, she wrote, directed, choreographed this show called Cotton Club Comes Tuskegee. Okay. And I audition, and I was cast as a cotton club dancer. <laughs> so I got, to, <laughs> I got to dance, I got to learn some tap. And um, I just loved every minute. Even I had to travel to Tuskegee every evening after work, mm. but I wasn't complaining because I was really just feeling that joy. Like Mm -hmm. I mentioned before, I just felt that again. Mm -hmm. And um, I I loved every minute of it. So went on from there. I did plays at the Latompa Depot Theater. Um, Annie Get Your Gun was the first one, I believe. Um, There was one called Rumbling Waters. I played an older middle-aged woman, Aunt Lula. (laughs) (laughs) You know, got to do a little church dance kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what else? Um, I've done, let's see, a second show at Tuskegee called Booker T's Towns. More recently, we took to Orlando, Florida. Oh. Yes, it was, it was amazing. Um, there was a conference. I believe it's the World Conference of Black Mayors. Um, Mayor Johnny Ford. Mm-hmm. Tuskegee he put together every year, so we were invited to perform for that conference. So I traveled down there, and that was an incredible experience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a show here that I did at the Davis Theater called "When Love Isn't Enough." Okay, it was like your urban, urban yeah. theater type thing, and um, the the writer of that play was Jamila Yall. And she's a friend of mine as well. We went to high school together. Incredible Mm -hmm. writer, incredible playwright. She's written many more plays since then. Mm -hmm. But it was just, I was really um, honored to be a part. And my character, I played a character, um, Danielle. And she was like this, you know, lovesick woman. And she was really, you know, desperately trying to find her husband and, every man she met, she thought was the one. <laughs> so, uh, she was very eccentric and so unlike me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was doing all these crazy antics on stage, people cracking up, and mm-hmm. I was just, just really getting into that character. Mm-hmm. Um, had a chance to to play or to um, perform in that show with Terrell Carter. He, um, he was in a lot of Tyler Perry's plays, okay. but I recognized some them the most was the movie, the Diary of a, Black, of a Mad Black Woman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He played the preacher at the end, who sings the song. Probably um, oh, didn't K- you
0: hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And him. So that was that was great to work with him. And then we did the show several times. One time, we also had Marvin Winans Jr. Okay, to play um, the main role. So, getting a chance to just work with other actors like that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's no words to describe it. You know.
0: You've been listening to the Higher Ground Society podcast interview with Montgomery-based acting performing artist Tanisha Thomas. Tune in next week where we pick back up with Tanisha as she discusses her most recent role at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, some of her favorite family Christmas traditions, and how being from Alabama inspires her. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss part two of this conversation or future episodes of the show. See you next week.